and all the time. Let us pray. Gracious Holy God, we give you joy and thanks for this Sunday in which we gather, Lord, in your name and your presence. Lord, thank you for the beginning of a new school year, which uh, causes a lot of excitement and a little angst that go with it. But Lord, help us as we come in this day and beginning this new series, uh, that we come with a little excitement and a little anticipation of uh, what this year might hold and, and what you might be speaking to us today. So Lord, set me aside that it's your voice that's heard clearly today. In your precious name we pray. Amen. So hearing God's voice, a new series that we begin today and sharing and understanding the ways in which God speaks to us, how we may listen, and perhaps some reasons we might have for not listening to God. And whether those are good or not, or they're not good, but understanding what they might mean for us. Uh, to illustrate this, I want us to play a game. I know it's church, but we're going to play a game this morning. And so I need your participation. Uh, you might have heard about this, and if you had, then uh, hopefully listen for others. We're going to play Name That Sound. So in the back there, we're going to uh, show it. Here, you're going to hear a sound, and then we're going to pause, and you see if you can guess what that sound is. The first one's pretty easy, so let's try the first one. Doorbell. That's right. You knew that one. All right, you've got to listen close to this second one. See if you can guess it. Play it again. That's right. It's a golf ball doing what? Falling into the cup. See, that's an honor of what's taking place in Memphis this week. So your third sound. You have to play it again, probably. Open a Coke can. You're right. All right. Sound number four. Good, fam. What's the person doing? What action are they doing? They're walking on what? On gravel. Very good. Is that Jocelyn? Come on, Jocelyn. Jocelyn plays these games, so she knows it. All right, last sound here, number five. See if you can guess it. One more time. Pool balls. Right, billards are pool balls that's playing. So why is it that some sounds are easier to hear and easier to understand and we recognize them and other sounds we have much harder time interpreting them? Why, why are some sounds easy to hear or understand? You're familiar with them. You recognize them. I and why are sounds sometimes hard to understand or grasp? Never heard of them. We're not around them. We're not used to them. Lots of sounds that we hear every day. Lots of sounds that we're around every day. And those that we hear all the time we're familiar with. Those that we don't, sometimes we struggle to discern or understand if it's really what we think we are hearing or not. Hearing God's voice works the same way. When we're familiar with God's voice, when we hang around with God's voice, when we listen for God's voice and we hear it pretty often, we recognize it when He begins to speak to us. But when we're not as engaged with it or we're not around it as much or we're not spending as much time with God, then we find His voice harder to understand or we question whether it's God's voice or not. God speaks to us in a lot of different ways. He speaks to us through His Word. He speaks to us in prayer. He speaks to us in dreams. 
He speaks to us in experiences. He speaks to us through other people. The question is, are we listening? Now, I've never heard God's voice verbally in, a, in an audible way, but I've heard God's voice many times speak to my spirit, speak to my heart, and just move in me. Probably one of the clearest times that I've heard is when I was back in youth minister in Dyersburg in the early 90s. I stayed up late and I couldn't sleep. And what happens sometimes, if I wake up or I can't sleep, I clean house in the middle of the night. I know it sounds crazy, but it's a good thing for me to do. And I clean the toilets, the sinks, everything but vacuum. And I keep the vacuum plugged in so as soon as I can and people are awake, I can clean. I lived in an apartment, two upstairs, two downstairs, four of us in one building. So I had to be cautious and not wake them up too much. But it was that night that I remember distinctly. I stayed on the couch because I couldn't sleep. And God spoke to me in my heart in a very vivid way and clear way that I still remember today. He said, Wade, ministry is much more than just a local church. It can be in outdoor experiences such as camping. It, it can be on college campuses. It can be in the hospital. I was struggling. I've been in youth ministry for about five years. I wasn't sure what the next step I've been to some uh, courses in preparing for potentially law school, for taking the LSAT and other things. But God that night spoke to me to say that ministry is much more than just the local church. There is unlimited potential. There are things that yet God had not revealed to me that he wanted to reveal to me. That there were things in which he had in store that I had no idea of what that meant and what it looked like for me. Ironically now, it's the local church that I love. But it was that moment, that urge, and that ump that I needed to say, okay, I can pursue ministry and not be limited by what I thought was constriction, but God had many greater plans than I knew myself. God's still revealing himself to us. God is still speaking to us. The same God that has spoken to all of us through the years is continuing to speak today. Scripture is full of examples in which God speaks to us. Moses is one example. When you think of Moses, what do you think of? Ten Commandments? What else do you think of in Moses? The burning bush, which is today's scripture. And so what I want to look at is look at that example of God speaking to Moses through the burning bush. But not only God speaking, but the excuses that Moses had. We're covering two chapters it's chapters 3 and 4 of Exodus. I'm not going to read all the chapters to you, but it comes real important to follow along because I'm going to be citing examples all along the way. So those, many of you follow the scripture, but if you don't, I invite you especially to today because you're going to need those references I make. And online, if you're listening, I hope you'll get your Bible and follow along too. So let's read just the first 10 verses to set the scene of what's taking place. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Follow along with me on your Bibles or the few Bibles or your devices that you have with you. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. 
When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place in which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Havites, and the Jebusites. The cry, of the, Jebus the cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people the Israelites out of Egypt. So we have Moses, we have God, and we have a burning bush. A burning bush which you would think would be consuming, but it's not. And Moses' attention is drawn to the burning bush, but it doesn't last long. You would think this would be an amazing event and they would be consumed in the event. But quickly, after God speaks to Moses... Moses offers excuses of why he shouldn't hear God, why he shouldn't respond to God, why he shouldn't act on what God's calling him to do. It's not just one excuse, but it's five excuses. Now, the task that God has called Moses, I mean, let's give him a little credit here, this amazing task, this almost impossible task to go to Pharaoh, a very powerful figure, and deliver the people from Egypt to go to the Holy Land. So let's look at the first excuse that Moses offers. Verse 11 this morning. Chapter 3, verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I, Moses says. I'm nobody. I'm a genuine nobody. Me? Why me, Lord? You want me to go? Who am I, Moses says. But quickly, let's see what God responds to Moses in the next verse. Verse 12 of chapter 3. God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. So pretty good. Me? God who? Me? I'm not worthy. I'm nobody. Yet God says, I will be with you. We think that might be enough. But Moses is quick to respond for the second excuse. Look at verse 13. Moses says to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? What shall I say? Moses' second excuse is, I don't have the words to say. I don't know what to say. I don't have the answers that people might be expecting. What if they don't believe me? And what's God's response? We see it there in verse 14. I am who I am. Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, 
Those you shall say, thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. Just because you don't have an answer, Moses, that's not a good excuse. I am has sent you, and I am will provide the answers you need. Which sets us up for our third excuse. And as we see in the rest of chapter 3 here, it's a strategy. It's the strategy of what Moses needs to do in order to release his people from Pharaoh. We look in verse 16. Go and assemble the, go and assemble the elders of Israel and speak to them. Tell them what God has told you. Look at verse 17. I will bring you up out of the misery of Egypt, God says and reminds them. Verse 18, they will listen to your voice. And then verse 19, I know, however, that the king of Egypt will not let you go. Verse 20, I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt. You will find favor in their eyes. And then the last verse of chapter 3, you shall plunder the Egyptians. Two excuses, one about Moses himself, he's not worthy. The second one about the people, they won't believe their answers or they won't understand who has sent him. The strategy of how they're going to do this. But still it's not enough for Moses that leads us to chapter 4, verse 1, the third excuse. Moses answered, But suppose they do not believe me or listen to me, but say the Lord did not appear to you. In other words, what if the people don't take me seriously? Not only if they just don't hear me, but what if they don't take me seriously? What if this message that you've given me, this good message, what if they don't take me seriously? And what does God say or what does God do? I think he's tired of having a conversation or trying to convince Moses that just this verbal agreement's not going to work anymore. So he begins to offer miracles. Miracles of the staff that Moses has in his hand to throw it down and what happens the staff turns into a snake and he picks up the snake by the tail and it turns back into a staff but it's not just one miracle there's two miracles that God offers the second miracle to put his hand in his cloak and he takes it out and the hand is leprous and he puts the hand back in the cloak and he takes it back out and his hand is clean but it's not just two miracles that God offers Moses there's three he takes the water of the Nile and he pours it out on the ground. And what happens to that water? What does it turn to? It turns to blood. Three miracles in which God provides to say, okay, not just words to convince them, but these power, this, this miracles of which I offer you, the staff and turning to a snake and back, the hand turns to leprous and turns back, and the water, which is of the Nile, that turns into blood. This should be enough to convince Moses and the people, but it's not. So we begin to see the fourth excuse in which he provides. Verse 10 of chapter 4. Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor even now that you have spoken to your servants, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. In other words, I can't talk. I can't speak in public, Lord. I don't like to speak in public. I don't like to speak in front of other people. I, I, I mess up my words. I fumble my words. I'm not eloquent. And what does God say to Moses? Verse 11. Then the Lord said to him, Who gives speech to mortals, 
who makes them mute or deaf, seen or blind. Is it not I, the Lord? Now go and I will be with you, your mouth, and teach you and what you are to speak. We see here that God accepts responsibility for the message that Moses is to deliver. It's not just on Moses anymore. God says that when you speak, I'll be speaking. I will be with you. Again, don't you think this is enough? I'm not worthy, Lord. You want me to go? Lord, maybe they won't take me seriously or, or they won't listen to me. The miracles aren't enough. And then in this fourth excuse, I don't speak very well. Which leads us to the fifth one. Look at verse 13. But Moses said, Oh my Lord, please send somebody else. Well, why don't you just get to the point, Moses? Why don't you just tell me that first off? We've gone through four excuses and we really get to the point here, right? Not me. Send somebody else, Lord. And what does the Lord say? We see in verse 15. But what of your brother Aaron? the Levite, and then verse 15, excuse me, 14 and then verse 15, you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and will teach you what you shall do. God doesn't let Moses off the hook here. God's not trying to make Moses adequate, but he's willing to offer him solutions which make the message of which God has called Moses to share possible. You still got to go, Moses. You still got to be there. I'm going to speak to you. You're going to tell Aaron what to say. But this is on all of you to carry out. And along the way, God will be with them. Remember the five excuses. Look at those real quick again. In chapter 3, as we see verse 11, or excuse me, verse, yeah, verse 11. Who am I that I should go? I'm nobody. The second excuse in verse 13. What if they don't believe me, or, or excuse me, what if I don't have an answer to share and they don't take, you know, they don't listen to what I have to say? Look at verse 3, or excuse me, uh, excuse 3 in chapter 1, in chapter 4, verse 1. What if they don't take me seriously? And then the fourth excuse in Exodus 4, verse 10. I can't speak very well. I can't speak in public. And then in, in the next excuse, in verse 13, but he says, send somebody else. Do any of these excuses, do all of these excuses sound familiar? How many have we used? Have we shared? Have we possibly offered? We're quick to make excuses. We're quick not to listen. We, we get caught up in the burning bush and we can't get past it. We get caught up in the voice and we can't get past it. That we don't listen and hear what God is calling us to do and the provision that He is making in the midst of it. If somebody calls you on the phone, a friend, a family member, 
Do you, usually, do you know who it is normally? I mean, I know your phone tells you who it normally is, but when you pick up the phone, if you don't look at the phone, you know it. You know their voice. Why do you know their voice? Because you spent time with them. You're in relationship with them. You're familiar with the voice. You, you talk to them often. When God speaks to us and we hear his voice, we know it when we talk to him often. God is a God who speaks to us. God is a relational God. He wants to be in relationship just as we're in relationship with friends and family that we know when they call us, we are in relationship with God. God wants to be in relationship with us. He is a relational God. That's how he speaks to us. That's how he reveals himself to us. That's how we understand his character is through relationship. God wants to be in relationship with us and reveal himself to us by speaking to us. He's not going to be coercive. He wasn't coercive to Moses. God's not going to equip Moses to do something that Moses isn't capable of doing as he equips him to speak to Pharaoh for this impossible task. But the same God that spoke to Moses is the same God that speaks to us today to equip us. The question is, are we listening? Are we anticipating? Are we looking and listening for God's voice. If not, what's your excuse? What's your excuse? In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit.